Section 16 of An American Idol. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Mary Schneider. An American Idol, The Life of Carlton H. Parker by Cornelia Stratton Parker. Chapter 16. As soon as the IWW article was done, Carl had to begin on his paper to be read before the Economic Association just after Christmas in Philadelphia. That was fun working over. Come up here and let me read you this. And we'd go over that much of the paper together. Then more reading to Miss Van Doren, more correctings, finally finishing it just the day before he had to leave. But that was partly because he had to leave earlier than expected. The government had telegraphed him to go on to Washington to mediate a threatened longshoreman strike. Carl worked harder over the longshoreman than any other single labor difficulty, not expecting the eight-hour day in lumber. Here again I do not feel free to go into details. The matter was finally, at Carl's suggestion, taken to Washington. The longshoremen interested Carl for the same reason that the migratory and the IWW interested him. In fact, there were many IWW among them. It was the lower stratum of the labor world, hard physical labor, irregular work, and on the whole undignified treatment by the men set over them. And they reacted as Carl expected men in such a position to react yet on the side of the workers he felt that in this particular instance it was a case of men being led by stubborn egotistical union delegates not really representing the wishes of the rank and file of union members their main idea being to compromise on nothing on the other hand be it said that he considered the employers he had to deal with here the fairest most open-minded most anxious to compromise in the name of justice of all the groups of employers he ever had to deal with the whole affair was nerve-wracking as is best illustrated by the fact that while carl was able to hold the peace as long as he was on the job three days after his death the situation blew up on his way east he stopped off in spokane to talk with the lumbermen east of the mountains there at a big meeting he was able to put over the eight-hour day the wilson mediation commission was in seattle at the time felix frankfurter telephoned out his congratulations to me and said quote, we consider it the single greatest achievement of its kind since the united states entered the war End quote. the papers were full of it and excitement ran high president wilson was telegraphed to by the labor commission and he in turn telegraphed back his pleasure in addition the east coast lumbermen agreed to carl's scheme of an employment manager for their industry and detailed him to find a man for the job while in the east my but i was excited not only that but they bade fair to let him inaugurate a system which would come nearer than any chance he could have expected to try out on a big scale his theories on the proper handling of labor the men were to have the sanest recreation devisable for their needs and interests out-of-door sports movies housing that would permit of dignified family life recreation centers good and proper food alteration in the old order of hire and fire and general control over the men most employers argued don't forget that the type of men we have in the lumber camps won't know how to make use of a single reform you suggest and probably won't give a straw for the whole thing to which carl would reply 
don't forget that your old conditions have drawn the type of man you have this won't change men overnight by a long shot but it will at once relieve the tension and see in five years if your type itself has not undergone a change from washington d c he wrote the city is one mad mess of men desolate and hunting for folks they should see overcharged by hotels and away from their wives the red-letter event of washington was when he was taken for tea to justice brandeis's we talked i w w unemployment etc and he was oh so grand a few days later two days before christmas mrs brandeis telephoned and asked him for christmas dinner that was a great event in the parker annals justice brandeis having been a hero among us for some years carr wrote he is all he is supposed to be and more he in turn wrote to me after carl's death quote, our country shares with you the great loss your husband was among the very few americans who possess the character knowledge and insight which are indispensable in dealing effectively with our labor problem appreciation of his value was coming rapidly and events were enforcing his teachings his journey to the east brought inspiration to many and i seek comfort in the thought that among the students at the university there will be some at least who are eager to carry forward his work there were sessions with gompers meyer bloomfield secretary baker secretary daniels the shipping board and many others then at philadelphia came the most telling single event of our economic lives carl's paper before the economic association on motives in economic life at the risk of repeating to some extent the ideas quoted from previous papers i shall record here a few statements from this one as it gives the last views he held on his field of work Quote, our conventional economics today analyzes no phase of industrialism or the wage relationship or citizenship in pecuniary society in a matter to offer a key to such distressing and complex problems as this human nature riots today through our economic structure with ridicule and destruction and we economists look on helpless and aghast the menace of the war does not seem potent to quiet revolt or still class cries the anxiety and apprehension of the economist should not be produced by this cracking of his economic system but by the poverty of the criticism of industrialism which his science offers why are economists mute in the presence of a most obvious crisis in our industrial society why have our criticisms of industrialism no sturdy warnings about this unhappy evolution why does an agitated officialdom search today in vain among our writings for scientific advice touching labor efficiency or industrial disloyalty for prophecies and plans about the rise in our industrialism of economic classes unharmonious and hostile the fair answer seems this we economists speculate little on human motives we are not curious about the great basis of fact which dynamic and behavioristic psychology has gathered to illustrate the instinct stimulus to human activity most of us are not interested to think of what a psychologically full or satisfying life is we are not curious to know that a great school of behavior analysis called the freudian 
has been built around the analysis of the energy outbursts brought by society's balking of the native human instincts our economic literature shows that we are but rarely curious to know whether industrialism is suited to man's inherited nature or what man in turn will do to our rules of economic conduct in case these rules are repressive the motives to economic activity which have done the major service in orthodox economic texts and teachings have been either the vague middle-class virtues of thrift justice and solvency or the equally vague moral sentiments of striving for the welfare of others desire for the larger self desire to equip oneself well or lastly the labor-saving deduction that man is stimulated in all things economic by his desire to satisfy his wants with the smallest possible effort all this gentle parody in motive theorizing continued contemporaneously with the output of the rich literature of social and behavioristic psychology which was almost entirely addressed to this very problem of human motives in modern economic society noteworthy exceptions are the remarkable series of books by veblen the articles and criticisms of mitchell and patton and the most significant small book by tausig entitled inventors and money-makers it is this complementary field of psychology to which the economist must turn as these writers have turned for a vitalization of their basic hypotheses there awaits them a bewildering array of studies of the motives emotions and folkways of our pecuniary civilization generalizations and experiment statistics abound ready-made for any structure of economic criticism the human motives are isolated described compared business confidence the release of work energy advertising appeal market vagaries the basis of value computations decay of workmanship labor unrest decline in the thrift habit are the subjects treated all human activity is untiringly actuated by the demand for realization of the instinct wants if an artificially limited field of human endeavor be called economic life all its so-called motives hark directly back to the human instincts for their origin there are in truth no economic motives as such the motives of economic life are the same as those of the life of art of vanity and ostentation of war and crime of sex economic life is merely the life in which instinct gratification is alleged to take on a rational pecuniary habit form man is not less a father with a father's parental instinct just because he passes down the street from his home to his office his business raid into his rival's market has the same naive charm that tickled the heart of his remote ancestor when in the night he rushed the herds of a nearby clan a manufacturer tries to tell a conventional world that he resists the closed shop because it is un-american it loses him money or it is inefficient a few years ago he was more honest when he said he would run his business as he wished and would allow no man to tell him what to do his instinct of leadership reinforced powerfully by his innate instinctive revulsion to the confinement of the closed shop gave the true stimulus his opposition is psychological not ethical End quote. 
he then goes on to catalogue and explain the following instincts which he considered of basic importance in any study of economics one gregariousness two parental bent motherly behavior kindliness three curiosity manipulation workmanship four acquisition collecting ownership five fear and flight six mental activity thought seven the housing or settling instinct eight migration homing nine hunting Quote, historic revivals of hunting urge make an interesting recital of religious inquisitions witch burnings college hazings persecutions of suffragettes of the i w w of the japanese or of the pacifist all this goes on often under naive rationalization about justice and patriotism but it is pure and innate lust to run something down and hurt it End quote. ten anger pugnacity eleven revolt at confinement at being limited in liberty of action and choice twelve revulsion thirteen leadership and mastery fourteen subordination submission fifteen display vanity ostentation sixteen sex after quoting from professor cannon and discussing the contributions that his studies have made to the subject of man's reaction to his immediate environment he continues quote, the conclusion seems both scientific and logical that behavior in anger fear pain and hunger is a basically different behavior from behavior under repose and economic security the emotions generated under the conditions of existence peril seem to make the emotions and motives generative in quiet and peace pale and unequal it seems impossible to avoid the conclusion that the most vital part of man's inheritance is one which destines him to continue for some myriads of years ever a fighting animal when certain conditions exist in his environment though through education man be habituated in social and intelligent behavior or through license in sexual debauchery still at those times when his life or liberty is threatened his instinct emotional nature will inhibit either social thought or sex ideas and present him as merely an irrational fighting animal the instincts and their emotions coupled with the obedient body lay down in scientific and exact description the motives which must and will determine human conduct if a physical environment set itself against the expression of these instinct motives the human organism is fully and efficiently prepared for a tenacious and destructive revolt against its environment and if the antagonism persist the organism is ready to destroy itself and disappear as a species if it fail of a psychical mutation which would make the perverted order endurable and in conclusion he writes the dynamic psychology of today describes the present civilization as a repressive environment for a great number of its inhabitants a sufficient self-expression is denied there is for those who care to see a deep and growing unrest and pessimism with the increase in knowledge is coming a new realization of the irrational direction of economic evolution the economists however view economic inequality and life degradation as objects in truth outside the science our value concept is a price mechanism hiding behind a phrase 
if we are to play a part in the social readjustment immediately ahead we must put human nature and human motives into our basic hypotheses our value concept must be the yardstick to measure just how fully things and institutions contribute to a full psychological life we must know more of the meaning of progress the domination of society by one economic class has for its chief evil the thwarting of the instinct life of the subordinate class and the perversion of the upper class the extent and characteristics of this evil are to be estimated only when we know the innate potentialities and inherited propensities of man and the ordering of this knowledge and its application to the changeable economic structure is the task before the trained economist today. A little later, I saw one of the big men who was at that economic association meeting, and he said, I don't see why Parker isn't spoiled. He was the most talked about man at the convention. Six publishing houses wrote after that paper to see if he could enlarge it into a book somehow it did seem as if now more than ever the world was ours we looked ahead into the future and wondered if it could seem as good to anyone as it did to us it was almost too good we were dazed a bit by it it is one of the things i just cannot let myself ever think of that future and the plans we had anything i can ever do now will still leave life so utterly dull by comparison End of chapter 16